are listening to Coach Mike on the Mic. Let's Talk Hoops, a podcast that brings hoop fans together and their stories to life. Coach Michael Herrera is a Texas high school basketball coach with three state Final Four appearances and a lifelong fan of the game. He'll sit down with coaches, players, and fans to share stories, game perspectives, X's and O's, and lessons learned along the way. Now, let's talk hoops. Welcome back to Coach Mike on the Mic. Let's talk hoops. After a break for the basketball season, it's time to jump back into interviews with coaches, players, and anyone who has a story to tell. Today, I sit down with legendary NBA coach and player Jim Clemens, who has 10 NBA championships under his belt. One as a player and nine as a coach. One heck of a story. Coach Jim Clemens has been blessed with both an NBA playing career with the likes of Elgin Baylor, Wilt Chamberlain, and Jerry West, and coaching stints with Phil Jackson with the Bulls and the Lakers. He's coached the likes of Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, two of the game's best players of all time. This interview will be broken into two episodes, and without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Coach Jim Clemens. All right, well, welcome back to another episode of Coach Mike on the Mic. Let's Talk Hoops. I am your host, Michael Herrera, and I get the pleasure of sitting down with one of my high school buddies uh, from MacArthur High School here in San Antonio, Dario Davis. Uh, I appreciate you taking some time to visit with me today, but um, the honor is all mine to have you, Coach Jim Clemens, on this episode. Um, and not too many times someone gets to interview a 10-time NBA champion uh, and uh, a defensive player of the year and a, and a state champion in the high school. So I really appreciate the both of you guys taking some time to visit with me today. My pleasure. Now it's time for Layup Lines. All right, well, the beginning of this episode, I'm going to start off by asking uh, uh, you five questions. I call this layup lines. You know, we're, we're all familiar. We all, we're all hoop heads, and we understand you got both teams kind of warming up on either end of the basketball court, kind of filling each other out. When you make your way to half court, you're kind of looking over there to see who you're sizing up against. So uh, for right now, we'll just, we'll just do five random questions, and then you guys will have a chance to shoot them back at me. So first question I have for you, Coach, is – who is your favorite basketball player of all time? Dead, alive, someone you played with, someone that you aspired to be like? Elgin Baylor was my guy growing up. That's awesome, man. And then you had the pleasure of playing with him, right? Played with him uh, through training camp and the first month of the season, then he decided that he'd had enough and he retired. I got you. We'll, we'll kind of touch in that in a little bit here. Question number two. Best road city to visit while on the NBA circuit, either playing or coaching. Oh, wow. I used to like the Golden State area. Okay. Uh, the, I liked the weather because you, you, you come coming from out of Cleveland and the weather was always little jacket, fresh breeze. And I, I like the way the, the mentality of the people in that part of California, they, uh, they seem to always to be aware of the social and, and the political life and uh, very, very astute. So I, there in Washington, D.C. were probably my two favorite because the people uh, I thought were well-rounded people. Mm -hmm. you know, so those, those, are my, those are my two. 
And I don't want I don't want to choose between. <laughs> All right, I got you. Mm-hmm. All right, question number three. So this one, I had to change the question, um, but I'm going to change it too. And I, I apologize in advance. Um, Ohio State butchered a lot of people's brackets with this <laughs> with this Oral Roberts victory. So my question to you is, I guess my first kind of question to this, there's two parts to this. Did you make a bracket? No. Okay. So in that, in that sense, I'll kind of change my question a little bit. Who in the NCAA tournament so far has your, your head kind of shaken, whether that's positive or negative, uh, or negative the, the surprise or the upset? Well, I, I'm really loving the way uh, uh, the team beat Texas last night. Yep. I, can't, uh, I can't remember the, the college name. but I'm, I'm loving, Christian. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving the way – they are playing the game. Uh, I saw them play two uh, earlier in the week, and the energy that they brought with them, and the way they they play with each other for each other. Amen. Uh, it, it, it touched my heart. Yep, absolutely. They're a team, and they, they kind of messed up my bracket. I was kind of hoping for a a Big Twelve showdown between Texas Tech and and Texas to get into the Final Four or the Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. I think it was, but mm-hmm. hey, that it's it's basketball season. That's all that matters, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. All right. Question number four: If you could go back in time and high five yourself for something that you did, what would you go back in time and high five yourself for? Just having the career that I had is, is to me, I'm, I'm, I'm just truly blessed. And so that, that, that's a gift from, from the creator. Absolutely. Uh, and I appreciate the life I've been fortunate enough to live. Yep. Amen. Uh, Amen to that. I, I've heard, uh, you know, obviously before this uh, podcast, I've, I've been kind of brushing up and watching some interviews of yours. And, and you use that word a lot. And I do too. We are truly blessed. And I'm blessed to be sitting in front of you today too. So um, last question for you. If this was a podcast called Coach Jim on the Mic, who would you want to be sitting down talking with? Oh, wow. Well, one, one of my all-time all favorite people is Lenny Wilkins. And uh, I, w- I would love to t- just have a good conversation with, with, with Lenny. I mean, there, there are three people that have been in the hall. They're in the Hall of Fame twice. And I've been blessed to have two of them cross my path. John, John Wooden, Lenny Wilkins, and Bill Sharman. And two of the three have had an impact on me. And I feel very fortunate. Uh, Lenny took me underneath his wing when he was traded. We were both traded to Cleveland the same year. And I had opportunity to be the third guard behind him and Austin Carson's other starter. But he taught me about being a point guard and to be a, a, to be a, a leader. And in those days, I needed every lesson, you know, I would, every lesson that he could give, I, I needed it. That's and, fantastic. Uh, we are, we are definitely, uh, you know, blessed to have certain people in our life to mentor us. And that's a, that's an amazing thing. And I hope I can do that for my, for my athletes, but that's a, that'd be a great interview, man. Well, that, those are my five questions. Y'all go ahead and piggyback and, and uh, y'all shoot five shallow ended questions at me and then we'll get started. <laughs> well, Uncle Jim, go ahead. Well, I'm, 
Well, how did how did you get started in in uh, in this this business? You know, what 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 took you in, in this direction? So, um, you know, long story short, grew up in San Antonio and played sports my entire life. Basketball being my most favorite sport. I didn't always have my eyes set on 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 coaching basketball. Matter of fact, I mean, I think every young kid's dream is to play in the NBA. And and as a five foot eleven Hispanic kid out of San Antonio, Texas, I mean, my dreams are pretty shot. But uh, I, I had aspirations of becoming an NBA physician. That was my my real dream. Um, being down here in San Antonio, obviously, I love the Spurs, and so that was my dream: go to medical school, become a doctor, and uh, try to become a team physician in the NBA. Lo and behold, I ended up going on to school, getting my master's in physiology. And it was then when I was teaching um, and mentoring uh, younger you know, people that are just a few years younger than me. I was actually teaching and coaching basketball while I was working on my master's and uh, fell in love with it. Fell in love with just kind of having those eyes looking at you for, for feedback, for information, to coaching them up. Um, and then that's when I knew that I wanted to coach basketball with my medical background um, you know, I, I had to get a uh, certification in the state of Texas. So I had to go work in the medical field for two years so that I could become a Texas high school teacher. And then I've been coaching and teaching since then for the last 15 years uh, here in the San Antonio area. So it's just kind of like, you know, one door opened after another and, and, and fell into it. But I've always had a passion for, for the youth, for mentoring, guiding, um, and teaching. So it kind of uh, it just kind of came to sorts about 15 years ago. And I love it. It truly is a blessing um, that uh, I've been able to survive this field of education when so many people are getting out of it. But um, no, I, I love it with a passion. So uh, good question. All right. So, uh, Mike, I've known you a long time and, and I, your answer to my uncle is very, very much in line. Um, what have you learned from your athletes? know because you are you are the coach you are the the leader but you know just you know with teacher what the talk creates teaching what have they taught you or reminded you of when you were in high school you know what the first thing that cuts a really good question i don't have an an answer probably uh this is one of those things where i want to sit and think about it before i answer you but the first thing that was running through my mind as you were asking that question is just to to be reminded that they're just kids um, you know, I, I don't claim to be the best coach ever, um, the best basketball player ever, but I have more experience in my lifetime than they've been alive. And so I have to remember that they're, they're still learning this trade. They're, they're, they're uh, resilient. They're, for the most part, the, the good ones are going to want to learn from you. Um, and so I just think that uh, they've, they've taught me to have a lot of patience with them because it comes natural to me in my mind and coaching, um, but they're learning it for the first time. So I've got to be very patient. So that's what I would say that they've uh, been able to teach me. Question. Young, young people are always very competitive. How are you teaching them to cope with losing? Woo. Y'all getting me some loaded questions, man. These are like interview questions that I'm going to like go off and go coach mode for a second. But um, <laughs> And you know what, I'm going to answer because this is more about you than it is about me, but I'll answer it shortly by how my philosophy as a coach is Um, in every in every loss, don't lose the lesson. And that's how I approach losing when when we do lose, what's our lesson, whether we're watching it in film um, or studying, you know, the game afterwards, don't lose the lesson in that loss. 
Okay. That's fair enough. Uh, who is who's been the best teammate that you've had or you've seen as a player? You don't have to name this person, but kind of the, describe. I mean, whether they were talented or not, who is who is really? And maybe you can say them by name, but be it someone you played with or coach who is really. Yeah, that's um. Now oh, your your uh Dario, your audio is kind of going in and out, but oh. I think I think I gathered your question. You said right. um, teammate or coach? Yeah, yeah. Like who who is who's really inspired you from a from an organic standpoint when it comes to the game of basketball? Oh, okay. Be, that's that's a really good one. Or coach, like someone like in the locker room, you know. Yeah, sure, sure. So growing up as a kid, man, growing up in a single parent home. Um, you know, I did have an older brother, but it, there wasn't a lot of influence basketball wise. So, um, I'm a kind of introverted kind of person. I mean, I keep to myself, but I enjoy being in a crowd, but don't want the light shine on me. Um, and so I'm, I'm just very, um, I don't know. I'm always in my thoughts and, and I observe and I learn by what others around me do, whether that's bad or good. Um, and so maybe growing up as a kid, I think a lot of it was just me absorbing from everything that I saw. I didn't really have anybody in my life, um, basketball wise that can mold me and shape me into the player that I became. But I tell you what, when I was at the university of Tulsa, um, coach John Phillips, who I actually had on this podcast in a previous episode was an assistant coach at the time. And, um, you know, being a walk on athlete, I never got to get in the reps, you know, so I always showed up to practice really early to get shots up. And I would always notice that he would always go to half court and, and lean up against the scores table. And and all the guys would kind of come in and they would always gravitate towards him. Um, and again, always observing. I picked up on that. I picked up on the relationships that he had with the athletes and how everybody would always gravitate towards him. And I knew that someday when I was a coach or a mentor or whatever, I wanted that same feeling where people felt they could come to me. And I think that's the role I filled as an assistant varsity basketball coach is I, I enjoy when those guys um, come visit me because I kind of see what I what I foreshadowed by by those relationships that I had with that coach. So really good question. Coach, question number five, last one, and then we'll kind of dive into this podcast. Shoot away. Uh, question, what do you – enjoy most about coaching. I, ca I call coaching, uh, I, I refer to myself not as a coach, but as a teacher. Absolutely. Because uh, I want to teach uh, students how to play and the, the enjoyment that comes from just the activity. So do you have a basic philosophy? Basic you, philosophy uh, with what? Oh, with what you do in, in terms of coaching, quote unquote, or teaching or the game, how do you, in the, at the end of it, it's not about, we all like to win. Absolutely right. But we can't win all the time. So what do you want to leave basically as a philosophy as you, for those young people who you touch? Right. So, you know, what I always like to say is that as a coach, um, I've kind of had this mantra of, if you want to know if you're a good coach, ask your worst player. It's not about coaching the stars. It's about coaching the starting five to your last player the same. Now you can't coach every player the same, but I mean, treating each player the same, giving them the same amount of feedback, um, you know, 
as the as the starting point guard. Um, and yeah, game. It's not all about the wins and losses. I kind of live by the uh, the quote of success for me um, is not in the win and loss column. Success for me is only going to be found out later in life when these kids come back after they've graduated high school, maybe even college, and they come back and thank me. Um, that means I had more of an effect on them because they're going to forget the wins. They're going to forget the losses, except for maybe a state championship or a, a significant game that they remember, but they're going to remember how I treated them. Um, so I hope that sometime down the road, they come back and they, and they thank me for, for what I did for them. So that's kind of how I live my life as a coach. Well, I appreciate you guys shooting five questions um, at me. Let's go ahead and dive into this episode. So the first question I have actually is for you, Dario. Um, you'll be joining me today as, as my co-host here. So um, I'd just like to start by asking you a question about um, Jim, um, what he meant to you growing up and how has he influenced you as a man today? And uh, my, 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 my godfather, uh, I'll say more than anything, just his uh, communication and his, uh, his, general, his general demeanor. Yeah, and his communication and just his uh, his total disposition. You know, um, he's taught me a lot of things. Never let your successes go to your head, and never let your failures go to your heart. You'll be in balance, just like he talks often about when you win and, and when you lose. So I would say just like his overall disposition, because I I am a fiery person. You know, uh, I am a United States Marine. Um, I am Dwight Davis' son. So I know, I know I have a very, uh, I know I can have, I can be very aggressive naturally, but um, being 41 years old now, um, <laughs> I, I think I have learned a lot, a lot from my uncle, from my godfather is learning to, especially as a black man, to really learn to control your emotions um, and not be real meek. Growing up as a teenager, young man, sometimes that was pretty difficult to not, knee jerk and fly off the handle and I wasn't perfect at that time but I always tried to you know think of the lessons and the, the conversations that we had okay all right very well well I hope you uh appreciate hearing that from him coach um next question I have for you is uh you know for for people that may be listening to this right now they they may or may not know your story and um i would just like to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about where you grew up and what your family and childhood life was like well i grew up in columbus ohio born in lincoln north carolina and i'm the middle child between two sisters and i knew I wanted to have a, uh, a, better, a better life. That's why, in fact, that's why my folks, and when I say my folks, my, my, I have an auntie and an uncle that were very significant in, in my life. And uh, we moved from North Carolina to Ohio in order to give my sisters and me a better opportunity in life. And as it has worked out, uh, we, all three of us are college educated. And in fact, uh, my sister, my oldest sister is a retired attorney and my baby sister is a retired college professor. So the, the plan that my auntie and my uncle 
and my mother put together for the three of us was successful. And that was why we moved in the first place. And I'm very, I'm very happy and very thankful that they had the vision that they knew that they had to leave the South uh, if they wanted us to succeed. And I think they were very, they were very proud of us. They, uh, we are the elders in our, in our family right now. Um, and, but uh, we have a very proud and rich history. Uh, my great-great-grandfather was born a slave uh, in 1864. And uh, I have a grandfather also that was a, the, one of the first uh, black state senators in the state of South Carolina. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we have a rich history. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know my father's side uh, since uh, they were divorced uh, when we were we were really when we were really young, mm -hmm. but but uh, and that's why I say my life has been a blessing. Uh, other people have seen things that they want us to achieve and accomplish, and through the grace of God, we have we have fulfilled some, if not all, of those dreams that other people, our elders had for us as children. Um, and say, I, I never knew uh, any of my grandparents. I've met my grandfather on my father's side. I met him like twice. And my grandmother two, maybe three times at most. Mm -hmm. So I only know one side of my family, one side of my history. Uh, one day I like to do the research uh, to see exactly uh, you know, who, who, the, who my dad was and his side of the family, because there's a whole side of the family I, I don't know. Right, right. But that, but that being said, uh, I used to tease people and said this, my my life, uh, I say was it was it's part of the greatest story ever told, because you take three kids out of uh, Lincoln, North Carolina, and I say you got a a lawyer, a professor, and you got a guy that made a living, you know, in sports, and. Uh, and I, and I feel very happy to have had, the, had that life. Uh, and I sure didn't have that vision, but I knew I wanted an education. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about now, uh, young people wanting to grow up being an athletic, athletic person, earning their living, I didn't have that dream. My dream was to get an education and then teach. That's why I like to say I'm a, I'm a teacher, not a coach. And I want to teach young people how to have certain experiences and then what they do with it, that's up to them. But I want them to know that I care about them as people. And hopefully the lessons that I'm able to teach and touch on in life will help them in the other areas of their life to become better people. Right. Yeah, well and said. Well said. Well, um, as a follow-up question to that, when did sports begin in your life? Uh, well, my, my uncle, bless his heart, uh, I've, been, I've been throwing a baseball. Baseball, in fact, was my best sport. I, I, I can say that uns without any qualifications, baseball was my best sport. I've been throwing a baseball as long as I can remember. 
and he'd come home from work and he'd have an old mitt and and bet and I and I was I'm left-handed and I was wild. And he'd sit <laughs> down and catch a squat. He wanted me to be a pitcher. He'd get in a catch a squat and he'd throw that mitt up there, hit the mitt. So that hand-eye coordination. I was, and I believe me when I say I was wild, I'm 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 like I said, I'm, I'm four years old, and that ball is going everywhere. And he'd throw it back to me. He get back in there and he put that target up there. So that hand-eye coordination, seeing that target, it's, it's just like uh, it's it's not it's different than shooting a basketball. Mm-hmm. So I, I I started liking basketball about in the seventh grade. I became very introverted because I played baseball as a pitcher, first baseman, outfielder. In football, I was a, a wide receiver or DB. But in basketball. I didn't need anyone else. All I needed was the ball and the hoop. <laughs> and so I, I would spend, everybody was playing basketball, but baseball was my favorite. But, but and, I, and I started to learn and watch basketball and I couldn't, I couldn't shoot, couldn't dribble, but I could hustle. And I said, well, if I, if I can hustle, maybe I'll get chosen. So that's what I did. I, I would spend time, hours, and the, and the more time I spent by myself, and I would sometimes walk to the court because I didn't want anybody to hear the ball bounce. The ball was like a Pied Piper. The, the people hear the ball, they, they follow you. Mm-hmm. And so I would kind of sneak up to the court and, and then not want the ball to bounce a lot because I wanted to be there by myself. And those hours of working out by myself and working on my skills and the thought I can always hustle. I can always, because guys that hustled and couldn't shoot, you still got chosen because you were a willing passer. Yep. See, you know, so that's, and that's how it worked out. And the more time I spent, the better I became. But I wanted an education out of it. And when I found out that I, di- I didn't have to be always a good athlete because academics oftentimes fi- figured into it getting a scholarship right i could get an academic scholarship or an athletic scholarships i said well that that's even better so that's one of the things i decided to work on and uh is being a good student if i wasn't a good student i wasn't going to play anyway mm-hmm. because that was that was rule number one and so having good grades wasn't a problem it's how well i could play so i ended up being a scholarship athlete and didn't pay for college at all and uh like I say, I've, I've, I've really have lived a blessed existence. And, and so you, uh, you've got a, a state high school championship underneath your belt and, and did the, uh, the college scholarships flow after that, or were they already kind of happen, uh, happening during that time for you? Well, I was being recruited, but I didn't know the extent of how good I was going to got to realize the, the tallest player on our state high school basketball championship team was six foot four. We, we, we were, we were short, but we were mighty and yeah. we were quick and we could play fast. or we could play, uh, I had a wonderful coach. We, we could play fast. We could play slow. And because we had certain skills, uh, I'll, the scholarships. And I was, a, I was your classic tweener. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was six. I was six foot one, six foot two, and I ended up being about six foot two and a half my senior year. Uh, and I, I understand why I wasn't very highly recruited. There, I, you couldn't identify a position for me. 
But uh, Coach Fred Taylor took a chance on me, I, I guess, and uh, I accepted the scholarship to Ohio State. And, uh, you know, and the rest is, is very fortunate. I, you know, I've been blessed enough to win everything except the NCAA title. And that, that's something I'd like to give a shot at before uh, my, I call my coaching career retirement. <laughs> well, I like one thing that you said about the hustle aspect. My One of the things that I always like to say is to my athletes is have a good day. And for me, what that is is D-A-E not D-A-Y, and that's you can always play defense, you can always play with a great attitude, and you can always play with all sorts of energy and enthusiasm and effort. Mm -hmm. And and one thing, uh, another um, accolade that you have is a defensive player of the year, correct, in the Big Ten? I was MVP, so I don't know, I don't know what that entails. That's all of them. That's all the above. I thought it was defensive. Uh, did you get a, a, an award for defensive player of the year, or was it, was it the MVP? I'm in 50 years ago this year. All right. You're talking to the MVP in the Big Ten. I got you. Well, I love it because we all, I always try to preach to my guys. You can always hustle. That is something that, that you have. A, it's a choice. You can't always, you know, make every basket. You know, you're going to miss. You're going to have your days where you just can't, you know, put it into the ocean. But you can control your effort and energy and enthusiasm and your hustle. Those are that, that's a choice. And if you're not making that choice, well, then you're going to sit down and you're not going to play. So I like that you said that. Let's fast forward just a little bit. So uh, you got recruited, you played. Um, I'm curious to know what it was like for you uh, and for your family, um, knowing that uh, you were selected in the NBA draft. And once you found out that you were going to go play for L.A. with Wilt Chamberlain, Elgin Baylor and Jerry West, what was take me back to that moment? Um, as an individual and as a family, what that felt like and what it meant to you? Well, 50 years ago, it wasn't a big deal. In fact, I found out I was sitting, uh, a, a company wanted to represent me. And they had uh, flew, flew me up from, from Columbus to, to Cleveland. It's like an hour and a half drive. And so they, I was sitting in their office and it was uh, the draft had already began, and so the guy, the guy I was talking with, he said, "Well, let's see uh, if, how the draft is going." And so, like, uh, he asked his secretary or uh, to see what was what, and she hooked it up, and they said that the Lakers took you. You've already been drafted, <laughs> and I said, "Wow!" Uh, and they said the Lakers drafted you. And so uh, that was that was basically it. Uh, I, I flew on the plane back from Cleveland to Columbus. Uh, see, because see, this is this is in March, and uh, no, nah, this is past March. This is about April, because the ABA had already drafted me. Indiana had drafted me in the ABA. Okay, and I actually liked that because Indiana. Uh, it was like, you know, two and a half hours from Columbus. Right, yeah. And th in those days, the Pacers were the, was the best team in the ABA. And so I'm thinking, well, and I have more recognition being in the Big Ten. Right. And so, boom, that, that was cool. And uh, I didn't really know anything about because I, I, I wasn't following and wasn't my hope and my dream to be an NBA basketball player. I wanted my, 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 my degree and I was – I was, and I got my degree. It took me an extra quarter, 
And I was, my senior year, I was scholar athlete of the year uh, at, at Ohio State. And we were Big Ten champions, and I was most valuable player in the league. And uh, I was happy and content, and I was going to go to law school or go to uh, continue on and get a, get a master's in education because I wanted to end up being, being a superintendent of a school district. So those were my goals okay. uh, that I had kind of set in front of me. And pro basketball wasn't even a thought or a dream. This is, once again, something that was given to me. And, uh, and I, but I'm happy because uh, I, once I found out who was on the team, because uh, I wasn't following the NBA, ba- mm-hmm. NBA basketball. It wasn't, it wasn't in my purview, as they say these days. It wasn't part of who I was. I was interested in doing other things because, see, I watched the football players anticipate being drafted mm-hmm. and what they were going to do with their money. And then uh, some guys that they, who were told that they were going to be first-round picks ended up not even getting drafted in the second day. And so I wasn't putting all my eggs into that basket. And so I was concentrating on getting my education, uh, doing what I need to do, uh, and then going on with the rest of my life. But here you go again. Uh, God had other things in, in, in store for me. And I, and I can only say, you know, I, I accepted them very graciously. And I'm very happy. Um, what we've been able to do, um, my sisters, uh, let's see, you know, we got her all the way through, you know, she, uh, law school and my baby sister, you know, she, like I say, she's, she's doctor. She was, she's retired now. Both my, everybody's retired in my family, except for me right now. And, uh, and pe- some people, wherever I go, people say, aren't you retired? <laughs> but no, I, I still have, I, I, I I haven't retired. I'm just doing other things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and those, I mean, those other things are the things that really make me who I am. I, the, the message is, a, it's not about sports. It's about life. The message is how you carry yourself and how you continue in, in your life, help other people. And it's not what you do It's how you do it. it, it it's, it's really important. Uh, random acts of kindness goes so far in, in helping other people willingness to help other people yep. see, and you don't have to worry about, it. you know, it's, it's nothing that you have to return. It's just seeing somebody in need and right. can I help you yep. opening a door saying, please, thank you. And may I, mm-hmm. Th- these are the things that this country is in more of a need of than anything else these days is Rather than trying to be the biggest, be the best, and, and, and worrying about how much money we make, that's, that's, that's not a status symbol. Status symbol, I, I believe, at the end of the day, is what you've done, not for yourself, but what you, how you helped others. Right. Yep. I love the humble spirit, man. I absolutely, I absolutely love it. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's kind of get into a little bit of the, uh, the NBA here. Um, what is something that you took away from being around those guys that you played? Um, maybe some of your most memorable moments as a player. We'll get into the coaching in a little bit, but just as, as a player, the people that you played with, you know, you talked about uh, Lenny Wilkins, people that mentored you, guided you. What's something that you uh, can take away and what are some of your most memorable moments? Well, not having a, a, a lot of money growing up. Because I, I carry papers from the seventh grade 
to the last day of the summer when, when going into my senior year of high school. I, I, I had this thing. I didn't want to be known as the paper boy my, my senior year of high school. And uh, it, was, it's a, it was important for me to be able to pay my own way. Uh, and I know money is important and will continue to be important, but I, I want to be comfortable. It's been, it's been my life. I, I want to be comfortable. And I wanted to be able to do for myself and help, and help other people. So that's, that's basically what I, I've been trying to do. And, I've, I, and I love winning. See, I, I would cry when I was a kid every time we lost. Losing just used to hurt my soul. And I didn't want to be known as a loser. And when I got traded from, uh, to Cleveland after winning, being on a team, and I, granted, I didn't play very much my rookie year because I was being groomed to play in Jerry West's spot. See, Jerry was supposed to retire after that first year. And I was supposed to, I was all year long, I was being groomed to, to be the next guard to come in and take leadership. So I wasn't worried about scoring points. I was making sure that I knew what I needed to know. So when Jerry left, and it was my time to play, I, had, I dotted my I's across my T's. Casey Jones and I at timeouts would talk. Uh, if you ever go back and watch any Laker, old Lakers film, Casey would keep uh, three by five cards. And as soon as the timeout was called, he passed, he'd be writing things down. He'd slip them to Coach Sharman. And so I'd be teasing KC, KC, what are you writing down? <laughs> and say, and because, and, and, you know, we had this kind of relationship and he would share what he was writing down and, and Coach Sharman would look at what Casey wrote down and he put it in his, in his vest pocket and then he'd go into the huddle. And so KC would tell me what he wrote down because KC was just, he was old enough that he still could play, but didn't. So in practices, KC, we didn't have enough, KC would guard me. And KC was one of the best defensive guards in the history of this game. So I was happy that he and I had that relationship because that's the basics of winning is understanding what your role is and accepting your role. And not everybody can do that in, in, the, in the major leagues. Well, everybody is chasing the dollar. Everybody wants to be, play, but nobody wants to do the dirty work. See, so you can't win championships if nobody's willing to do the dirty work. You can't win, winning championships is about understanding what your role is and fulfilling your role. For one through 13, one through 15, whatever it is, people got to be on the same page. And that's why I started to learn. And I, and I was blessed with that from the ninth grade. I started playing basketball really in the ninth grade. And the first game I played, and it wasn't even varsity basketball, it was called high wide basketball in Columbus. And so I didn't even start the game. And I, got, I came in midway through the first quarter, and coach gave me one, one assignment. He told me, get the ball moving. And so obviously, after almost 60 years of basketball, that one thing, get the ball moving, ball movement is essential for if you want to win in the game of basketball. Yep. See, in the, in the, if you watch today's game, everybody wants to dribble the ball. Everybody wants to show everyone. They want to exhaust their ability to score themselves before they give the ball up. Right. And, and basketball is not a me game. 
basketball is a we game. And those teams that will end up going to the final four and the team that ultimately is going to be the winning uh, team in this year's championship as every year is going to be the team that plays together. Yep. The team that understands it's not about me, but it's about we. If you want to be success in life, that it flows into that as well. It's who else you touch in your life. It's bringing people into your life and not shutting people out of your life. And it's the sharing aspect that makes your life, your community, your school grow. Growth is about sharing. And if you don't, if you can't share, you're not going to grow intellectually, mentally, physically. It doesn't happen because you need other ideas to counteract your ideas. And that's the way thing, that's the way the process is. You got to bring more in. What you don't use, you set it aside or you acknowledge it. I don't need that now, but you remember it because you might need it later. That's right. So these are things that I learned early on that once again, if you go to a camp of mine or you ask me to be a speaker, these are the things that I think I, I like to teach about. I like to talk about because these are the things that are going to make you successful, not only in sport, but more importantly in life. You see, we got to forget our egos. And so much of so many of us in the athletic realm, we think that the sun rises over here and sets over here. We're <laughs> saying, no, I'm just a part of this. I'm just a part of what happens to me and to my family and to my teammates. And it's the best part of me if I can open my eyes and look up and see what else is happening around me. I'm missing out on a world of happiness that's, that, that's there. If, but most of us just tend to focus on what we are doing and what's happening to me. Well, coaches, players, and, and fans listening to this, uh, Coach Jim Clemens just probably dropped about five to seven mic drops in that last five minutes, man. That was, that was some good stuff and some good meat and content, man. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, uh, Dario, you want to, you want to chime in? You good? You want me to keep going? No, I, I got a, I got a question. Uh, Steph Curry. Mm -hmm. Outside of him, this is kind of a two-part question. Kind of rational. Outside of him, who is the best pure shooter that you have ever seen, be it someone you, you coached or played with? And if the three-point line was instituted in 1971, you know, these are just kind of fun questions. You know, first one a little more serious than the second. You can't go back in time. But, yeah, outside of Steph Curry, the best pure shooter you've played with or coached and the second part of that question, if, you know, 50 years ago, there was a three-point line, uh, how do you think rec How do you think that would affect current records right now? Well, LeBron and Grant and Harden, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Le 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 LeBron is just a physical specimen. Right. I mean, this, 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 this brother, I mean, he, he, He's thick. I mean, he's he's thick. I mean, he, he, yeah. he's he's six eight six nine, but he's he, he's a he, he's a freight train, and I respect that. I, I mean, I would I pride myself in taking charges, okay? But I don't know if I would take his charge. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my common sense said, ah, get out of the way of this. Yeah, you get out that way. But, but who's the best pure shooter though, outside of Steph? Oh man, well look. Craig I know, or, or, your, or your top two or three, you know. Well, Craig Hodges is what 
there's only two three-time winners. Yep. Bird, Bird and Craig, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I got to throw Craig Hodges in there. Really? Okay. Um, okay. And because Craig, Craig can shoot that thing. He can you let, good. Yeah. Ooh, Trent Tucker was a, okay. was, a out, was an outstanding shooter. But, but Steph Curry's dad, I, I, I sometimes I joke with people who never have not seen Kirk, uh, Dale Curry Dale shoot. Curry. Yeah, I remember Dale. Dale, yeah. Dale Curry could shoot that thing. Now. That was back in our day, Dario. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, he he could shoot that thing. He would he would catch it, turn and shoot it all in one motion. And he's and he's bigger than than Steph. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. so those people and 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 I, and I love the things that that uh, Steph has done. I I had the pleasure of meeting Steph when he was in the sixth grade. I did I did oh, a okay. clinic. I did a clinic down in Charlotte, North Carolina. And Dale was there, and he brought he brought Steph, and he said, "This is my little fellow here, and he wants to be a, he wants to be a pro player." So I'm very I'm so very happy that dreams do come true, and he said he said that he set that up and out there when he was in elementary school. So I'm so very happy that he accomplished his dream. Those are the things that make this game so rewarding and worthwhile. Is about is is yeah we can see milestones that we set for ourselves and and not just so you know in, in our in our in our in our life that I accomplished that check it off check it off check it off and one of the most important notches is I think is being a good person being being a good human being and I think that's that's the real message that we should all set out there that we want to be. Not necessarily, you know, right, just in general, just be good people. I mean, as I look at the world that we're living in now and, and uh, wondering what kind of world is going to be 15, 20 years from now, you know, once again, I've got daughters out here, you know, and I want them to be happily married and have families of their own. And I, and I, I question, I, I look around at our country and I say, what, what are we doing? I mean, the civility and lack thereof of embracing other cultures and other people with the same rights and respect that each one of us deserves because we're human beings, uh, it, it saddens my heart. And these are things that I, you know, I'd like to see uh, beginning to change. And the, and the young people in this world, they've got to once again, uh, I'm disappointed in my generation because some of, some of it wasn't genuine. I think uh, if, it, if our political stances, both in life and what we talk about putting that to practice, we have fallen short on our responsibilities of teaching the, uh, those that are coming behind us. So I think we got to tighten up our belts and we got to show that uh, this world is not our, not their world, it's our world, it's not your country, this is our country, and we have to begin to identify what kind of world and what kind of country we really stand for and stand up for what's right and uh, not be afraid to voice uh, things that we see that are ill, ill spirit, mean spirited. Uh, that doesn't represent who I think we are in our best light. Very well said. Good, good, uh, good answer there. Good question, Dario. Um, Let's uh let's kind of transition a little bit. How did you transition from you know playing in the NBA to coaching in the NBA? You kind of asked me that question in a roundabout way, so I'm gonna kind of put it back on you. 
Um, what, how did that transition from playing uh, to coaching uh, happen for you? And was it, I mean, I know you mentioned that you wanted to be a teacher, but um, at what point did you recognize that this was going to be in your path? One day at practice, I was at Ohio State, and uh, I saw my coach. He had a clipboard, and he's wearing nice uh, slacks. And I knew I didn't give him in trouble. I, I know I didn't envision the tr the trouble, and the trouble is how to reach people, how to get young people to do what you want them to do. Not so much mind control. But and it, it, those of us that play team sports realize that team is somewhat like a family. And you don't want to be the one child that's a malcontent or the one child that's always being disciplinary. So I, we've always been on good, I've always been on good teams. Uh, I, I was blessed. Uh, I, I lost, I lost. Our teams lost three games when I was a junior and two games when I was a senior. So my whole high school career, I lost five basketball games. I wasn't accustomed to losing because I had good people around me. We were all doing the same things because we all, that was our family. For each and other. We didn't, yeah, and, we, and we, didn't, we didn't want to dis disappoint each other. You do what you're asked to do and those are part of the keys of success. You plan your work and you work your plan. That's right. And you, you, you can't have malcontents. And if you have malcontents, uh, you know, you have a family meeting and you talk out the issues so that everyone stays straight on what they're supposed to do. Right. Life is simple. You know, follow your orders. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, about, it's about being successful. It's about winning. And unless you got a better idea about how to do it, you, you, you fall in line. So I never thought there was any difference because I've had, I've had, I had wonderful coaches. I had wonderful teachers and they cared about us because it wasn't for a lack of discipline. Part of the discipline is what made us successful. You couldn't just, none of us were spoiled, spoiled brats. I know one know if you didn't get your way, you didn't go off and pitch a tantrum. That's part of growing up. You, you didn't get you didn't get your, uh, your your big boy pants tied into a knot. You accepted responsibility. That's 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 what happens in, with good mm -hmm. teachers and good in sports. It's all it's not cookie cutter, but if you want to be successful, these are some of the rules that you have to learn to adhere to. To be to be to be successful, it's a, it's a certain discipline, and I never figured in my in my wildest dreams that there were people out there that didn't want to be successful, and no matter what the coach or the team said, they went off and did it their own way. That that never came into my into my uh, into my mind because I was always on good teams and we cared about each other. We that state championship team that you're talking about back in uh, 1967, where our tallest kid was six foot four. I had two of those kids. We we went to elementary school together, so three of us have been knowing each other since the fourth, at least the fourth grade, all the way through. So we knew each other. We knew what was in our hearts. We knew how we grew up, and we cared about that. See, I, I I've never been really. 
the, the most selfish teams I were on were those early Cleveland Cavalier teams where everybody, Cleveland was the worst team in the league. When I got no, when I got notification, I had been traded from Los Angeles to Cleveland. I'm 22 years old. I cried because Cleveland was the worst team in the league. We had, in those, those old days, we had uh, 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 calendars, this whole schedule. And they, they were tall as you were because of the whole play, and they went down. And teams, when they saw Cleveland, they write down W, W, W. And I got traded from a world championship team as a rookie to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I cried because I knew how other people felt about the Cleveland Cavaliers. You're talking about changing culture. And I was so happy. I, I played 209 minutes my rookie year. My first five games or six games in Cleveland because Lenny held out. I, I played more minutes in Cleveland in the first 10 games of my sophomore year season than I played my entire rookie year. All right. And Lenny Wilkins saw what I was going through and team, they, they almost actually wanted to feel, you know, argue in the, in the locker room. I wanted, I wanted to say, what the hell are you guys talking about? You're the worst team in the league. But, but you, you guess what? It was a team of first-round draft picks. It's a, it a team of first guys, first being the first pick. Yep. And and they they, they were they were so accustomed to everything going their way. Like me play defense, <laughs> you know, me pass the ball. That's your job. Your job is to pass the ball to me. My job mm -hmm. is to shoot it. I mean, I'm thinking, dude, what's wrong with you? That's why you guys are the worst league team in the league. Yep. Everybody thought their job was to score points. Nobody wanted to do the dirty work. And, and you ask me to this day, I'd rather score two points and win than score 22 points and lose. Yep. So what are you going to do to help, help us win? And, when, and when, when Lenny finally came and he brought the same coach, see, they wouldn't, my first two weeks, uh, first, you know, two weeks of practice, I really thought I would have to fight after every practice because I didn't pass the ball to so-and-so when they thought I, sh I should have passed the ball. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, get, dude, I only got one ball. I got one ball and I got four guys running around like this. And so we had to really have these heart-to-heart -heart talks. So when Lenny showed up, man, I was happy as a fat rat and cheese factor <laughs> because I had somebody, see, I didn't know enough, only my second year. I didn't know enough. I, I didn't demand or get their respect because I was just a second year player. But now when Lenny comes in and he's telling them the same thing that I'm trying to get, get across, it was like music to the ears. And we had right then we had a culture change. And he kind of had to, you know, he set the rules and they respected that. So this is what happens when people talk about me. Where I, I need my shots. I need my touches. See, and it's all about the money. Because the more the more points you score, supposedly the better player you are. That's not necessarily true. That just means you're taking more shots. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So once again, we 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 have to begin to understand what the ingredients of success are, and and what it is to really set. You know, I, I don't want to use the word sacrifice because we all good teams. There's more sacrifices going on than the average eye ever knows. There are a lot of good players on good teams, but they aren't the stars. They understand how to contribute to make that star a star. See? And that's the thing we had to talk about.
in Los Angeles when Kobe, when we first got there with Kobe. Kobe wanted the ball every every time down the floor. He wanted to score. Every time his touch had to lead shot. And he became so much a better player when he realized I don't have to shoot the ball every time I touch it. Mm-hmm. I don't have to look for a shot every time I have the ball in my hands. And, and when that giving spirit in him, which is in which basketball is all about, see, you you the more you give in basketball, the more you do receive. Not all, not all at once, but you start now spreading that joy around. Here, have one more on me. Then your shots become even easier. Because you become a willing passer. You play better defense. You know, people forget that Kobe ultimately made, you know, all defensive team. All right. So his offense, wanting to score, translated in better defense because he learned how to score. He became a better teammate because he understood what made a good team. So is it is it like from what I'm hearing from you? your insightfulness at a younger age, your humble spirit um, that, you know, you sound like me in a way, in, in the way that you would pay attention to the way the coaches interacted with the players to get people to play together. Is that kind of the winner's mindset that you kind of had that led you into coaching? Cause you saw that happening or was there anything specific where you're like, I want to be a coach. Cause I wanted to, I wanted to see our game continue to, to thrive and survive. And it's not about money. It's not about recognition and all these other things that uh, ah, that are lost as quick as they're, they're made. It's, it's more substantial than that. It's, it's deeper than that. When you start talking about uh, your livelihood, you know, putting, having a house, providing for your family. It's, yeah, we all need money, but it's how we use our money and how we earn our money and how we respect the people that help us make money. See, and, and that comes down to dollar and cents because when you sit down at the bargaining table and you talk about your contributions to the team and to the success, management nine times out of 10 goes to a stat sheet and say, well, you only did this. Right. And so, so then as a player, you realize, wow, you use me. Now I got to start thinking more about me. And that, that is the demise of sport because then you're realizing that your value isn't what you thought it should be because you are right. You, you are a measurable uh, contributing uh, person to a winning organization. If you win a championship or you're, you're there, whatever, as opposed to your ability is down to the statistical uh, guy or analytical guy. Right. You only did this. Mm-hmm. Give me a break. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, you're saying that, right. My only, my only did is, is not good enough to warrant me a, a, a decent raise or, 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 or you know, a, 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 a better livelihood for my, me and my family. So that's why, guys, that's that's why they turn the game in, in having fun into how much your value is because you only did this. Right. You only scored this. You didn't do this. Well, you know, and so guys know, realize that they, they see how players are manipulated and they say, that's not going to happen to me. So that's why guys who are scoring points, 
they only start looking to score points. And winning takes a backseat to how many points I get, how many touches I get, because and now what your brand is this, your right. brand is that. And you've got shoe companies spending more money. And, you know, this is the notoriety. So it becomes exploitation rather than taking a good look at what's really important. Right. And, what, and what's really important is building the camaraderie amongst your team that we all are in this thing together. Right. Your, your success ultimately leads to my success. And my success leads to your success. So don't let management divide us in terms of who's the most valuable player here because we all we all are doing pretty good and we all want to do better yeah but the fact is you know we have to do something more and my battery's getting low baby well this is a, a good opportunity for us to kind of take a little halftime real quick and i'm going to shoot five real quick questions to you and then we'll uh we'll get into the last uh, part of of the podcast so my first question to you is if you could go back in time and change your career what would that career change be would it be teacher? I don't. Superintendent Clemens. I've enjoyed the life I've had. Yeah. And uh, I take a second dip on what I've already done. All right. Because I'm comfortable with it. All right. I, I, don't, I don't think I've gotten out of my lane. I think I've rec- I recognized my value. I understand my value. And I, won't, and I, I, I like where I am. I like the people that I meet. I, because they, they, a lot of them are athletics, they're, af, they're athletes, they're mm-hmm. teachers, they're coaches, uh, and I, I, I like the lane I'm in. All right, question number two. Um, I know you said that you're retired, but you're not retired. But since your retirement, we'll put it that way. <laughs> um, what's one thing that you that you enjoy doing right now? I like the fact that I don't have a real schedule. I'm a, I, I do what my wife needs me to do, uh, <laughs> and uh, if she doesn't if she doesn't need me to do anything, I got the day off. If she All right, stuff, I, I better I better do her her the honeydew list. All right, uh, all right. So, favorite movie or uh, favorite movie genre? Mm. Ah, I'm not a movie buff. Uh, I have to think about that one. All right, I, I stumped I, you there. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm. I don't. I don't go to a lot of movies uh, simply because when during the season, your life evolves around the schedule. That's right. And uh, and scheduling games. So, uh, and I don't like. And once again, I don't like to lose. So I I I stay focused uh, during the season until I, what I need to do, and then when it's over with. I just kind of celebrate and, and do what I need to do. All right. Well, let me see if uh, if you can answer this question. I don't know if you're a reader or not, but what's the last book you read? Well, I've got President Obama's book over here that I need to uh, s- get started on. Okay. And I, was talking, I was talking to a friend today, and he tells me I, I got to read John Thompson's book. Okay. He, he says that those, are, those have to be my next two reads. All right, so you've got you've got books to read, but do you remember yeah. the last book you read though? Uh, I I read articles in magazines, and I and my old my best book I I really have liked in my life is a book called The Prophet. Okay. Okay. All right. 
Last question. I hope I don't stump you on this one either, but you, you sound like uh, you sound like me in some ways. So you have a favorite scripture. Oh, my, my, my favorite scripture is probably the 23rd Psalm. Okay. You know, that when, when, when I, uh, when I get in, in, in trouble with, with myself, I, uh, I, I try to come back home. And I've, I've known that since uh, I was uh, four years old. Uh, and uh, that was, we had to learn that in elementary school. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, and every Monday morning we'd have to repeat it. And so that the 23rd Psalm, the 23rd Psalm is probably the one that I come back home to. All right. Very well. Well, thank you for participating in, in our halftime, man. Thank you for listening to Coach Mike on the Mic. Let's Talk Hoops. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure you subscribe and click the notification button and then share it with your friends. If you're so inclined to do so, would you please rate and review this podcast so that I can help grow this community of listeners? I hope there was something that you heard today that entertained you or connected you to the game of basketball. If you'd like to be a guest or know someone who would be a great guest on the show, please comment below or reach out to me on any of my social media platforms. Until the next time we meet, the ball is now in your court. Be someone's champion today.